0: Wow, wow, wow! you can be seated, wow, wow, wow! He is just awesome, what an amazing God that we serve i uh you know i just I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the answer to everything <laughs> I really believe that uh. I believe he's the answer. And, uh, you know, the Bible says when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Wow. Why? Because he's the answer. <laughs> Jesus is the answer. That's why I'm sometimes, I don't make the best, well, counselor in the natural. That's not my gifting, let me put it that way. I counsel with people. Uh, occasionally, but that's not my gifting, because what I do is we sit, we talk, I, we go to the Word, and I see what the Word has to say about it, and I say, here's what Jesus says, here's what I see is the answer, and then we come together again, and I go, so what do you, how are you doing, how, you know, how's it going with what Jesus had to say, well, I hadn't really been pressing into it, you know, at that point, my ability to help them has come to an end. I don't mean that cold, I'm just saying if we won't press into who he is and what he's saying to us, then we don't need to just sit around and blow hot air at each other. Are you with me? Now, there are people who are gifted who can coach and help see, and that's not necessarily my gifting, and I'm okay with that. I'm growing in that area, but uh, I really believe that our responsibility is to grow in our gifting, not spend all our time trying to develop something that we're not gifted in. That's a different approach to leadership that some have. They say, if you know you're good at this, then just let that be, and then you go work on where you know there's a weakness. And I think as you do that, what happens is you begin to put time into something that you're not gifted at, and you're letting go of something that you know the Lord's given you direction to go in. So um, I hope that was encouragement to somebody. I don't know why I said that other than as we just press into him, I believe... We've yet to see all that he has for us. You know, last week I I shared from uh, Matthew 17. I got into it. Matthew 17, where Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, well, It's not called the Mount of Transfiguration. It was on the mountain, and there was a transfiguration that took place, and that's why we call it the Mount of Transfiguration. <coughs> but uh, they went up, and... While they were there, it says that Jesus was transfigured in front of them. In Matthew 17, verse 1, it says, After six days, Jesus took, took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun. <laughs> I just saw something I hadn't seen before. That's good. Hallelujah. Where am I? Verse 2, and his he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, there appeared, <laughs> man, the Lord is just good. You know, you can read something, read something, read something, as he's giving you revelation, he'll just open something up to you you didn't see before, it'll just, it'll just wreck your train for a minute, and that's a good thing. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. And Peter and, and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good that we are here. <laughs> if you wish, I will make three tents here. One for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, um, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son, with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they had lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus. So I told you last week that the title of my message last week was See Jesus Only. Well, as I've just really been pressing into that, just saying, God, I know that um, that's Our highest calling is to see Jesus. You know, from Genesis to Revelation, our high calling is to find Jesus in the pages. Are you with me? It's to see Jesus because he's there. In the Old Covenant, there are types and shadows pointing to the reality of who Jesus is, who he was when he came, and who he is right now. Because Hebrews 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Are you with me? So he hasn't changed. He's the same. So as we see who he, who he is, it means that that's who he is to us. And we look under the Old Testament, there are shadows. They're pointing to who, he, who Jesus will be when he comes. And as we look in the New Testament, we look back. You know, I've said this before here. But what we have to understand is that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Old Testament books. Because what they're, prophet, they're talking, Jesus is on the scene there, uh, it's an account of his life here, but the new covenant was established when Jesus resurrected. Are you with me? It's when God said, there's a new covenant now. Things aren't done the way they were. So even in reading the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I've said this before. When you read the scripture, there's three important things. You've got to know who's talking, who they're talking to, and what they're talking about. Because if you don't understand who's talking, who he's talking to and what he's talking about or she's talking about, you can take things out of context and say, well, Jesus said this and this is what we have to do. That makes sense. If you understand, Jesus was uh, uh, talking to different majority of the, the gospels. Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of that day who were rejecting that he was the son of God. So he was dealing with that mindset that why he was here and what he was accomplishing in being here. Are you with me? So he would say something like the rich young ruler who was trusting in his righteousness, sell everything you have and come follow me. Because that man was trusting in his righteousness because Jesus said, "Do he said all those things I've done from my youth up. That's why Jesus, under the New Covenant, didn't just say the Ten Commandments are, you know, don't kill, don't steal, don't commit adultery. He said, I'm telling you, if you look on a woman with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. What was he doing? He was taking it out of the natural and dealing with the very heart of who man is, apart from God, which is fallen and and a sinner. So he was letting them see it's not just your outward actions because he, he went on to tell them, you're like whited sepulchers, you're like whited tombs, you're pretty on the outside, all painted up, but on the inside you're full of dead man's bones. So when we look at the Gospels, when we look at the Bible, what we're wanting to see is Jesus. And if we can see him, I've told you this, all of my theology, in case you're wondering, all of my theology, which theo's the study of God, all of my study of God is filtered through this filter, Jesus Christ. How I see Jesus, because Hebrews 1 says he is the express image, the exact representation of who God the Father is. So when I see Jesus, I, I, Todd Martin, I filter. Even when I read Old Covenant and I see some of the things that go on the Old Covenant, you say, how can be, a God be a God of love when you saw this and this and this? I have to filter it through Jesus, and what does Jesus say under the New Covenant? And, and case in point, I've shared this before, uh, you know, Elijah called down fire on the, the men who came to get him. He said, if I'm a man of God, then call down fire and consume this man, and his 50, they came up. Well... Jesus was walking with the disciples, Peter and John, looked at Jesus when there were some people who were coming against Jesus, and they said, hey, can we, should we call down fire? You know what Jesus said? You don't know what spirit you're of. He said, I didn't come to kill, but to draw men in. Are you with me? So it's filtered through Jesus. So that's why I say, we, I want us to see Jesus. So this week, um, I was continuing to, to press into some of these scriptures in Hebrews 12, you know, we shared that last week as well. Hebrews 12:1 and 2. Uh, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, looking unto Jesus. So it was Tuesday morning. I got up and I was praying. And I was like, Lord, I thank you for people who've spoken into my life locally, for people who have spoken into my life internationally, speakers that I listen to. I told you I like Joseph Prince. I like Andrew Womack. And there's some others that I listen to, a few others, Bill Johnson and that crew, they'll always stretch you. <laughs> listen to Bill and Chris Falton and some of those guys. They'll <laughs> anyway. Uh, and I was just really talking to the Lord, and I said, God, I, it's not about I want a Todd thing. I just want a f- heavy revy from you. <laughs> I want fresh revelation from you, Lord, and this thing of looking, of seeing Jesus only, and what that looks like in my life. And I was actually. Uh, don't get excited. I was actually in Starbucks a little after seven in the morning meeting with Mark, one of our leaders here. And I was sitting and, uh, in the past when I sat in the seat I was in that morning, it was hard to sit there because the sun would come up and it would just be blinding. And, uh, I would be sitting there talking like this for the last 30 minutes of our talk. And, uh, so it was just right in my face. But, uh, with the seasons changing like they are, it's not exactly there. Okay, so if I'm sitting here and it's normally right here and I'm talking to Mark, it was over here, so it wasn't as blinding. So I've just been pressing the Lord and I'm sitting there and we're, we're talking, and the Lord said, Just stare at the sun. And uh, I said, What? He said, Stare at the sun. So I didn't just, you know, throw my brain out and go, Okay, I'm going to stare at the sun. Yeah, I don't even know that could cause tr- trouble. I'll explain that in a little bit. If we get there. But the Lord spoke to my heart and he said, no, stare at the sun. Stare at the S-O-N. Because as you do, it changes your perspective about everything. And I'll get there in just a minute. But we were in worship and uh, Stephanie up here in the front came up to me. She said, I'll give you this. You can read it and then uh, you can just leave it and I'll get it later. I want us all just, I want us to pray for Steph. Let's just do it right now. Just stretch your hand that way. Steph worked last week and then she's been on call and then found out that she's working 3:12. So she got off yesterday and then turned around and went back in and worked all night. And went home and changed and came to church. Imagine that. That's hungry. I'm just saying. So, Father, we bless you. I thank you so much for Stephanie and the light and life of God that's in her for her passionate pursuit of you and you only. God, I thank you for supernatural strength in her body. Lord, as there's demands on our bodies that many times they feel as though they can't stand under it, God, I just pray a fresh anointing of power in her life, God, to do in the natural because, God, she's not just natural. She is supernatural. So, Lord, I do thank you for amazing rest when she rests and uh, just peace there, strength in her home and her family, Lord, as this uh, has been put on her. Lord, I just thank you, God, that she's the head and not the tail above and never beneath. So, God, we thank you for amazing favor, strength, and rest when there's opportunities for her to rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just love the Holy Spirit. So, she comes up, comes up and hands this to me, and... Uh, so I walk over to her and I said, did I tell you the title of my message today? She said, no. So I'm like, okay. So here's what she wrote. I'll just read it. I was driving home from work this morning facing the sunrise. The Lord spoke to me and said, focus on the sun. See, this is what the Lord does. He said, don't look back. This is a season of new beginnings. I'm pouring out, an abu- uh, I'm pouring out abundant grace to keep you going forward towards me, gaze at me, in me, just like the natural sun, when I, uh, where I am, darkness flees, grace, and love in this season, season, brings us into unity with him, and each other, don't look back, keep going towards the sun, new beginnings, like a new sunrise, uh, like a new sunrise I'm sorry and it starts during worship the picture on the screen is a sunrise and it reminded me so so I was meditating on this revelation let me I got to share this too before she gave me this I had leaned over to Tina and I said when if you go to the back cuz she'll go back and check on the kids and things like that. I said if you go to the back I said tell Heather to leave this up on the screen don't put the logo cuz I got a purpose for it and that was before I got this that's pretty awesome I'm just saying, that's how it really is. The picture on the screen is a sunrise, and it reminded me, so I was uh, meditating on this revelation as Melanie saying, uh, gaze on Jesus. The Lord then spoke to me, James 1.17 from the Amplified. And I want to, she's got it written in here, but I want to read it. Uh, Every good and perfect gift, free, large, and full, is from above. It comes down from the Father of all that gives light in, in the shining of whom there can be no variation, no rising or setting or shadow cast by his turning as in an eclipse. That's the amplified version. So it says again, every good and perfect, full, f- free, large gift is from above. And it comes down from the Father of all light. That's where it comes from. It comes down from the Father of light. So as I was processing all of that, the Lord just continued to take me back to what I want to share with you about today. And again, looking at... And what I said when I got excited when I was reading Matthew 17, when I read that the other week, I didn't see where it says that his face was shining like the sun. (laughs) And... uh, He had brought that revelation to you. I brought that verse last, that passage last week and touched on it a little bit. And then as I was reading it to you guys, it just, isn't isn't that amazing? If you look for him, he's not hiding from us, he's hiding for us. (laughs) Many think that he's hiding, that God is difficult and he's hiding from us. He's not, he's hiding for the hungry. He's hiding for the ones who say, God, I want more. I, I won't be satisfied with where I am. I want more. And you know, as I continued to press into that throughout the day about staring at the sun, here's some things the Lord just began to give me downloads on. How many of you have ever stared at the sun? Just be honest. If you don't raise your hand, you're probably not telling the whole truth. (laughs) I'm just saying. I was being generous. I won't look around again. But everybody, whether intentionally or unintentionally, you've been doing something, you look up and there it is. And what's the immediate result? When you close your eyes, what do you see? You just see the sun. You see this dot. And you see the sun. That's what you see. So I began to look at that and just press in that. And he said, that's exactly right. He said, if you'll set your gaze on me and you'll focus on me, he said, when you look at your wife, you'll see me. When you look at that circumstance, you'll see me. When you look at that foe, you'll see me. Does that mean that your enemy is Jesus? That means this, that even in the midst of the face of the enemy, you can see Jesus. <laughs> it's all about what you're looking at. It's all about what has captivated you. And the longer you look at the sun, the more it affects you. So I just, being the inquisitive I said, all right, so I went and I I just looked up, that great and wise Google, (laughs) staring at the sun, and there are three stages to staring at the sun, the first stage is this, let me get my notes back, they flipped on me, the first stage is this, the moment you begin to look at the sun, you start to develop a sunbird on your eyeball. One of the three types of light that sun produces visible, infrared, and ultraviolet. And I'm not going to break all that down just yet. But UV is the most dam- damaging to structures within the eye, especially when reflecting off sand, snow, or water. The cells of the cornea, which is the transparent outer layer of the eye, will blister and crack when overexposed to UV light. You didn't know you were going to have a, a biography. What would well, that be a biography? That would be... Yeah. <laughs> it's not even biology, it's anatomy. That's what I was trying to go for, an anatomy lesson. So it says, the cells of the cornea, the transparent outer layer of the eye will blister and crack when overexposed to UV light. It's, it's a lot like normal sunburn. Symptoms of this condition known as photokeratitis usually appear a few hours after the damage has occurred. They're identified by excessive tearing, tissue inflammation, and the feeling that someone rubbed your eye with fine-grit sandpaper, luckily, the effect is almost always temporary, dissipating within 36 hours, and can be prevented by wearing UV-rated eyewear. So stage one, as I was looking at that and just meditating on it, it deals a lot like the body, the natural physical encounters that we have. Sometimes with the Lord. We're staring at Jesus, right? The title of the message is Stare at the Sun. So keep that in your mind as I'm talking so we can stay focused and on track. We're staring at the Sun. And many times when people begin. Uh, You know, maybe it's just a a different type of worship that you're doing or something like that. There'll be, or you'll be in a service like today. There are people, many times, unbelievers come into a service and the presence of God is tangible. We were declaring, God, we want more of your presence. It's tangible and they can go, man, something different was going on in there. I mean, I've had people tell me, that was weird. I've never experienced anything like that before. Uh, I shared when we were uh, at Go one time up in uh, Gibsonville, we prayed for this woman and her ankle was healed, and she said, that's weird, I've never experienced anything like that before, but many times, if all you have is a physical touch, it's just like this, it's short, and you get over it, let me just break it down a little more, 9-11, when nine one one happened, when 9-11 happened, Everybody ran to church. Why? Because there was physically something that went on. Lots of people lost their lives because there was an attack on America. So people prayed and people went to church for a week or two. And they got over it. Because all they're encountering God with is physically. You know what I see many times in our journey with the Lord is that's what it is. We come to church on Sunday so we can feel better about ourselves. If, I'm, if this hits you, just smile like you're talking to your neighbor, and nobody will know, right? You just grin like a mule eating virus and other day He can't be talking about them because they're happy, right? But that's what it's been reduced to is that we come and we do that religious thing. You know, that's exactly where Peter was when he was up on the Mount of Transfiguration and Jesus is there and it says, his face was shining like the sun and with him there was Moses and Elijah and Peter said, I will. You know what Peter did? He reverted to religion. Religion is always trying to figure out what you can do to please God, what you can do to reach God, what you can do to impress him and others. That's what religion does. And when we feel that we've missed that mark, we feel like we've got to go do something else so that we can get that back. Just smile and nod. You know what I'm saying? Nobody will know. And that's the same thing that was going on with Peter there. I'll build you a temple. I I said this last week. We, many times, critique Peter, and he's just the one who would say it's all he is. He would just say what others are thinking. And we have those in, in everywhere. Work, we have those in our lives, we have those in our family. The ones that say what everybody else is thinking. And then everybody just goes, I can't believe they said that. <laughs> Stephen's one like that to me. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, buddy. I'm just playing. But Peter, we, he gets condemned a lot because he would say what others were thinking. But Peter said, I'll build you. He didn't say well, it was Peter alone? No. James and John were there. But Peter said, I'll do it. It was him trying to reach because what was going on? Peter was having a it was it spiritual? Yes, but was it physical first? Absolutely. He looked up and there's Jesus. He's shining like the sun. That's physical. That's a natural encounter that he was having, and it just wigged him out. And in short, that's what it did. It wigged him out. And so what he did, he responded in the natural. He responded what he thought he should do. Stage two. Look, it's this. If you look steadily at the sun for a little longer, you can cause damage to the retina. This collection of light-sensitive cells located at the back of the eye transmits images to your brain. Solar retinopathy, as the damage is known, may not be painful like photokeratitis, come on, (laughs) but the results can be permanent. When the light-sensing cells of the retina are overstimulated, they release a flood of signaling chemicals. In sufficient concentrations, like during a long look at the sun, these can damage surrounding tissue. This condition is typically reversible over time for a month up to a year depending on the amount of damage sustained. Uh, And it says a little bit more. It can take from 12 months to 18 months before improving again. But as I was looking at this, it says if you look steadily still a little longer, it can cause damage. It goes deeper. It's not just surface it goes deeper. So the damage gets a little deeper and you go, man, you're talking about looking at Jesus and you're equating him to damage. What's wrong with you? What I'm talking about is, is damage to a carnal mindset, not to a spirit man. Amen. And so as I was looking at that and pressing into that, the Lord said, well, that's just like your soul. See, first it'll affect your physical But then it goes to the soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. It gets a little deeper. The longer you stare at him, it gets a little deeper. It doesn't just affect you to the place you feel like, I should go to church because that's what good people do. To the fact that where it gets to that stage two, that second level, it's not just that's what I should do. You start going, man, that's not just what I should do. That's what I want to do. I'm I'm wanting to do this more. But here's the thing if you just back away and you quit looking just a little while, it'll all go back to normal. Come on, somebody. It'll all go back to normal. So that's how, you know, and I even looked at this, and the Lord took me to Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the soils. And I had a little conversation with the Lord. I said, Lord, you should have just said three soils, not four, because you kind of messed me up, because I got three stages and you got four soils. <laughs> yeah, i get that later. But you look at those, there's the, the, that that's by the wayside and the birds of the air eat it up. And then there's that that's uh, in the roadway that is shallow and it springs up, but the sun burns it out. Then there's that that's sown among the thorns and the cares of life. See, that's what, it's that third stage in the parable of the soils, it's that third soil where your soul, there's that battle in your mind, your will, and emotions where you allow certain things to occupy your mind. And here's the thing. They don't have to be bad things. They don't have to be sin. It doesn't have to be that you're hung up on pornography or that you've got a gambling problem or a, a smoking problem or whatever. It doesn't have to be that. That's what Hebrews 12 said. It said, first, what? Laying aside the weights. You hear me? The weights and the sin that easily beset us. So not everything is a sin. Some things are just a weight. Some things are just things that hold more of your attention than they should. And when that happens, when the shift takes place and you're no longer looking at the sun, the transition that begins to happen is it sometimes, it said, as I didn't continue to read it, it said sometimes in a month it can happen really quick and then you'll hit like a, a stage to where you don't see a lot of recovery and then within a year it'll come all the way back to normal. It said, but others, it's a slower process that it takes 12 months before. And it's a slow regaining of sight. Are you tracking with me? And I see the same thing. As we walk in this journey with the Lord, if we don't set our gaze on him, sometimes it's somebody, they can just make a decision, and before you know it, it just some circumstance just totally sideswipes them, and they, they don't even see the Lord anymore. They're overcome by their circumstance. They're overcome by their situation. That's all they can see. Others, it's a slow process. When they quit looking at the sun, it's a slow process. And little by little, they wean their way off or wean their way out. And that's not a condemning. I'm just saying, I want us to understand, if we stare at the sun, there's going to make permanent change. And as we look at him, just as I said, listen, this is what's so awesome. When we set our eyes on him and we get to this third stage that we've looked so long that we'll never be the same again. (laughs) When you get to that place, that's when you can look at somebody who done you wrong and you don't see what they done wrong anymore. It's blacked out. Oh, come on, that just ran all over me. (laughs) Listen, just so you know what the doctor says. Stage three, with enough damage to the retina, staring at the sun can leave you partially blind. Prolonged UV exposure can damage the, the macula, a tiny substructure of the retina. Responsible, listen, to this is so good. Responsible for the majority of your central detail vision. Let me break that down for you. That means that little nitpicking spirit. I'm sorry. Easy time. That thing where you hold everything as personal against you when somebody didn't even know you were there. That little detail, I can't believe they did that to me. You know, easiest place for me to relate to that is Driving. And you're writing and somebody cuts you off. I can't believe they cut me off. Don't they know it's me? You know, that's what you're thinking. That's not what you say out loud. (laughs) See, I want you to laugh. It goes down better that way. (laughs) Spoonful of sugar. (laughs) I'm not trying to give you medicine this morning. I want us to see. Because I'm telling you, as I've continued... To look at Him. There's things that's happened that I didn't want to happen, but if I keep looking at Him, I know that what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at Him, as 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says, and the more I look at Him, the more I'm transformed to look like Him. Because now, what I'm doing is reflecting who He is. And so what what I do is when opportunities arise that I wasn't expecting, when things present themselves that I didn't want. I can choose to look at them or I can look at him. But what the Lord showed me, he said, if you'll just keep staring at me, even when that thing tries to pop up in front of you, you can't see it. All you see is me. Listen. The central detail vision. The pupil will naturally contract when exposed to bright light. But the moment a light is... But the amount of light still entering the eye is concentrated on the macular tissue. Damaging it can cause macular degeneration, eventually resulting in permanent blindness in the center of your field of vision. So what that means is the center of my vision, I can't see anything but Jesus. It's not the circumstance any longer. It's not what someone did that I wish they hadn't done. Does it make right what they did? Absolutely not. But what it says is it no longer gives them the right to have my attention. Because when I look, all I see is Jesus. So we have to determine at what stage are we. (laughs) Because when we set our gaze on him and we keep our eyes on him, it will affect everything about us. You won't look the same. (laughs) And when you change the way you look, it'll change the way you look. That's deep right there. As we look at him and his glory, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I mean, it's in that passage that it talks about, well, let's just look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The whole chapter is good. <clears throat> I'm just going to read it. Chapter 3, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 1. Do we begin again to commend ourselves or do we need, as some uh, some others, epistles of co- uh, commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Listen. Man, you ought to understand this, that you're an epistle. Verse 3 clearly you are an epistle of Christ. Look at your neighbor. Now I'm telling you to do something. Look at your neighbor. Say clearly you are an epistle, which means book of Christ. Literally, it means letter. Yeah, thank you, Josh. Isn't that awesome to know, listen, that you're not, as as the Bible says, that you're wonderfully and fearfully made. As a believer, God wants you to understand today that you're a letter of Christ. I don't know where your self-worth and value was prior to that understanding, but it should have went through the roof. Do you hear me? If you understand that because your relationship with Jesus, born again into the kingdom, you are now a letter of Christ. And I say, how does your letter read? You are an epistle. You are a letter of Christ. Ministered by us. Written not with the ink, by the, but by the Spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the flesh. That is, of the heart. Verse 4. And we have such trust through Christ toward God. That's it right there. We have such trust through Christ toward God. Where's our trust? Through Christ toward God. So when we come, as Hebrews, when he said, come boldly, how do we come boldly? Because our trust is through Christ to God. Why? Because that's what we see. We see Jesus. Okay, I'll keep reading. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. What's he talking about? He said, we are sufficient not because we keep the law, but because the Spirit lives in us. Because the letter kills. What was the letter? The letter he's talking about is the Ten Commandments. See, this is where we've gotten messed up in church, too. We think the Ten Commandments were given to make us holy. They weren't. They were given to show you how unholy you are. The Ten Commandments weren't given to make us right with God. They were were given to show us we're wrong. And there's nothing that we can do about it. I don't know how that tastes going down, but it's truth. Can you prove it? Let's just keep reading. Thanks for asking, though. Verse 7. But if the ministry of death, what is that? Written and engraved on stones was glorious. What was written and engraved on stone? You guys are sharp. The Ten Commandments. Written and engraved on stones was glorious. Did he say that it had no glory? No, he said it was glorious. Why? Because it was God. It was God's standard. The, the law is not bad. It's, the law was for, given for a purpose and it's glory it has glory because it represents the heart the nature of God, right? But man did not have the nature of God because they forfeited it when Adam sinned. So we can see the nature of God in the 10 commandments, but we can't attain them because we don't have it in us. Hence came a savior. Thank you, Lord. He said, written engraved on stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? Listen, look, we spiritualize some things, I'm not going to be long, but Moses, the glory of the law that was on the face of Moses, was it a spiritual glory or was it a, a natural glory? it was both. It was spiritual because he had been on the mountain with God, but it was natural in the fact that when he came down, they couldn't look at him, and they said, veil your face. Right? It was, it was both spiritual and natural. I want you to understand, I believe, if you stare at the sun, it is both spiritual and it is natural. I believe the more you stare at the sun, the less you've got to talk about the relationship you have with the sun, because everywhere you go, you look like the sun. (laughs) And people just look and they go, there's something different about you. And you can say, yes, it is. It's the sun. I've been staring at the sun. You've been staring at the sun. I spend a lot of time staring at the sun. And you can see, I have to be honest, it has totally messed up how I see. Come on, that's good stuff. You can't preach after that. Call me, I'll help you out. Because when I see you, I don't see you in your mess. I don't see you in your mistakes. There's this spot there, and it's not black, it's the blood. See, it doesn't ignore it or act like it's not there. It just says, it's not enough to blot out who I am. Shabba. Hit me from the top of my head run through my. I think I blew a hole in my toes. Man. Why are you so different? I've just been looking at the sun. You know what they say? The sun's worse when you look at it on the water because it magnifies it. Come on. You go, Tammy. And we in the liv- the river. The liver. We in the river. I got excited. I was about to start speaking in tongues. I know y'all couldn't track with me. so I... We in the river. So what does that do? It just magnifies the sun. See the the more we look at him, the more we look like. Uh, let me just just read and y'all keep interrupting me. <laughs> Verse nine: For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was glorious had no glory in this regret in this respect because of the glory which excels. It said that even though that was glorious, it doesn't have any glory in light of what's here now. You hear that? That's good stuff. Verse 11, for if what was passing away was glorious, that which which remains is more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. What was passing away? The glory that was on his face. So was it natural? Absolutely. But their minds were blinded, for until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. Where? In the sun. The veil is taken away when you stare at the sun. But even to this day, when Moses read, a veil lies on the heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, we who, we all. look at your neighbor and say, we, we all. all. One of the first pastors that I had when I got my life right with the Lord, he said he would say this all the time: "All means allness. All all means." All means all, and that's all all means. It means all. We all, with unveiled face. You know why? Because the veil is taken away in Christ. We don't have to wear UV glasses. We got Holy Spirit glasses. <laughs> I ain't going to get religious on you. He said, but we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to to glory. How? By the Spirit of the Lord. See here's what's so cool. Your transformation doesn't come from your many, many, many good works. It doesn't come from you building a tabernacle or a temple. It comes from you staring at the sun. And as you stare at Him, you're transformed from glory to glory. See He didn't make it difficult. That doesn't mean that it's easy. Because you have to be intentional to set your gaze on him. He has to be a priority. And that doesn't just mean on Sunday morning. That means in life, that he's the priority. He is who I am looking at. Not at circumstances, not at situations. It's him and him alone. I I like this in the Weymouth. I'm going to read it from the Weymouth translation in verse... uh, Verse 17 says this. Now, by the Lord is meant the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, freedom is enjoyed. Come on. You know, when you stare at him, you might have this response from somebody. Can't you see what's going on? Are you blind? (laughs) And you can say, well, you know what? There's this spot. And you're right, I don't see it like you see it. Because when I look, I see Jesus. And freedom is enjoyed. Verse 18, And all of us with unveiled faces reflecting the like bright mirrors the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same likeness. Listen, from one degree of radiant holiness to another even as derived from the Lord, the Spirit. See, and this is something I've seen, and, and I'm going to close with this. In the church, when the presence of the Lord starts moving, people get caught up on holiness. Is holiness wrong? Don't, don't misquote me. Don't tweet that, as Bill Johnson would say. People get caught up on holiness. What he's saying, as I look at him, holiness is the fruit. I don't live holy to try to please God. I don't live holy to try to get God to move in my life. The fruit of me looking at Him is I'm transformed into holiness. And and this holiness is talking about the outward expression of my life begins to look just like His because all I see is Him. I'm not consumed with what I did right or what I did wrong. Does that excuse it? I'm not saying it's okay just to go live like you want to. What I'm saying is this. The more you look at Him... You don't have to struggle with the sin, the, the addiction, the bondage that you did before. Because when you're looking at him, those things fall out of perspective. And this, and then per adventure in the future, one of that, uh, something of that sort gets put in front of you. When you look at it, there's a spot there. You just don't see like you used to see. And that's good stuff. You know, I, I believe with all my heart. That's who the Lord has raised the river up to be. Not uh, another place where we gather and we come in and we just deal with the first issue of overexposure to the sun. And not that we get comfortable in the second level or stage where we allow it to affect us for a little while and we walk away. I believe that the Lord has raised this place up to be, and, and I believe... As we continue, I I don't say start because I believe we have been. As we continue to look at him, that we go out. And because we are all individuals uniquely, wonderfully, fearfully made, when we go out, my light might look a little different than your light. But it's all pointing people to the light. Who is Jesus? And then as we come together... I just, the only thing that I can see when I think of that is the brilliance of a diamond. That we all are facets of that diamond as the body. And then when we come together, it's just not one color of the prism. It's the beauty of the full prism. And we come in this place. So when we come here, we're not coming here to get a little sunburn on our eye bulbs, as John Kellogg would say. We're coming here because we just see spots. You know what's so cool about that? When you come in here, it's not as easy to see a fault in your brother or your sister, but it's a whole lot easier to pray with them, to encourage them, and to strengthen them. I'm telling you, in this place, when you stare at him, I'm telling you from personal experience, it changes the way you see everything. It rearranges priority. Did, I said, it rearranges priority which rearranges authority. Because I, I, am, I am more set than I've ever been. And I say that a lot, and I mean it every time I say it. And that's what's so cool, because this is a journey. I haven't arrived, but as Paul said, thank God, I'm, I've, I don't look back. Just as that word that Stephanie had. I don't look back. I press toward the mark of the prize the high calling, which is in Christ. Because no matter how much you look back, there's no light back there. It's just darkness, and you can't change any of it. But as we press into him, and we have the opportunity to do that, when things don't go like we expected them to, we look to him. You know, today at 2 o'clock, I have the honor of presiding over Susan Bennett's funeral services that's not what i wanted that's not what i was believing for that's not what i i I know the word to be true to say we went we prayed we saw god touch her body and she was raised up when they had given her up for dead the first time but thursday morning at 5 50 she went to be with the lord and we talked in the beginning she wins right okay i'm not down she wins she's with jesus Now, in me, there was this decision I had to make. Am I going to stay true to what I know to be true, which is the word? Even though this circumstance didn't turn out like I expected it to, I prayed. There were others in here who prayed. And we didn't go praying hoping God would do something. We went praying, believing that we knew what the word of God was. And there are many, 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 listen, I understand. There are many uh, circumstances and situations that surround a, a a. particular healing and things like that. So I understand that. But what I'm saying is this. I also understand when I look at Jesus, he didn't send them away sick. So I have a decision. I can shrink back and say, well, it didn't work out like I wanted it to, so I'm just going to sit back and cool my jets. Or I can press in and say, you know what? It didn't turn out like I wanted to. Nowhere did it say that I'm perfect. But he is. And I'm going to focus. And that just means there's been some things in me, and this isn't, listen, this isn't a works thing. This is all about the finished work and my focus on that. So I'm not trying to get good enough that the next time the people don't die. That's not it. What I'm saying is as I renew my mind, as I look at the sun, I see more clearly. See, that's the difference. When you stare at the S-U-N... It'll blind you. When you stare at the S-O-N, you get clearer vision. It'll blind you to the, the, the mindset of the flesh. And it'll open your eyes to the reality of who Jesus is. I'm telling you, let's stand. As I meditated on this, I didn't stare at the sun outside, so I can still see all y'all. I didn't stare at it, but I would look at it and look away. And you know what? When I would look at it and look away, I could look in the mirror and I couldn't see me. I could close my eyes and I'd still see the sun. Come on. I could look at people in the room and I'd still see the sun. No matter where I look, guess what I saw? I'm telling you all the sharpest group ever. I saw the sun. So if anybody asks you, What you learned in church today, just say, my pastor told me to stare at the sun. And if they thought we were crazy before, you'll say this, confirmed it 100%. (laughs) That makes no sense at all. But it'll give you opportunity to share who he is. And he is good. And he's good all the time. And one thing the Lord really ministered to me, do pray for the family. It's today at 2 at uh, Lau Funeral Home in in Burlington. But Mary... uh, Piper which is Susan's mom I was there Wednesday and she said you know what Todd God is good and he's good all the time and she said I've resolved in my mind It's her only child 56 year old child she said I've resolved this whether she's healed here or she's healed over there he's still good and I'm going to serve him I'm going to serve him because he's worthy he's worthy And I want you to pray for me, because I'm doing a service. (laughs) And uh, yesterday morning, I was, uh, one of the songs we needed, I I downloaded. (laughs) So I'm sitting in the living room before Men's Fellowship, and I'm listening to this song, 10,000 Reasons. Uh, I think Matt Redman wrote it, but uh, Kim Walker Smith is the version we're using. And I was totally, completely undone. I was weeping like a baby. I'm talking about you. My wife will get on to me if I go too far. You know when your nose is full of stuff. (laughs) So much that you don't have to blow it. It's blowing itself. Is that too far? Is that good? She just rolled her eyes at me. Because that's what I saw in the life of Susan. That's what I saw in that little mother. When she said, he's good and he's good all the time. And that's why I have 10,000 reasons to praise him. He's worthy, folks. He is so worthy. And you know, I I don't know what opportunities lie in front of you. Papa John helped me with that. He said, you can call them problems or opportunities. It's all about how you see it. And I don't know what opportunities lie before you, but I'm telling you this. The answer is stare at the sun. (laughs) <laughs> and I could stand here and tell you what it looks like to stare at the sun, but I could cause you to miss what the Lord wants you to see. Just like as I began reading in Matthew 17, which I've read many times in the past couple of weeks, and they said that Jesus' face shone like the sun. You know, I'm so thankful I saw that after the fact. That's just a blessing. So with, if you would bow your heads. I want to ask first this if